Just a little more time is all we're asking for. Just a little more time could open closing doors. Just a little uncertainty can bring it down. Healing, listening, and providing tools is her expertise. 
Jillian spends her time on the lake or at home creating new books. She is readily involved with CAAFA, Texas Association Against Sexual Abuse, and ETT, Women Entrepreneur Think Tank, Women Worries Group, and is readily involved in her children's life. She enjoys traveling and spending time with her kids. Jillian loves, sorry, Jillian lives and works in Lago Vista, Texas with her husband and three children. She has a book out, um, and I posted the link. It's called My Ugly Truth by Jillian Coburn. Um, I hope I pronounced that correctly, Um, which I read most of it, um, and she is an incredible woman. Um, It always amazes me to meet people, men, women, who have gone through such horrible things in their lives and have managed to turn it around into good. I, it just, it, it gives me so much happiness and encouragement um, to meet these kind of people because without them um, and advocates like myself, um, you know, where do people have to turn? And like I always say when I start my show or end my show, if we, can reach one person with our stories, then we did our job. Um, she also wrote a cookbook, which there's a link um, on the show too. Um, and I, I want to just read one little paragraph. I'm going to give out a number, 516-531-9643, 516-531-9643. We'd love to hear from you. We're also on blog talk radio slash friends talk um, Never Give Up Show live right now. Um, I'm just going to read one little paragraph or whatever, little part, because, again, I am dedicating um, as many shows this month, well, there's not many more weeks, but to Domestic Violence Awareness Month. Um, Domestic violence is the number one killer of women globally. Um, So it's a pandemic. And we must end it. It's not only happening to women, older women or men, it's happening to teenagers, young adults, and this has to end. So um, the title that she wrote says, Don't Believe Him When He Says He Will Change. If you're ever with an abuser or an addict, they never change. They will slip up again. If he did it once, guess what? It will happen again and again and again. If you are being abused, the person can't change and won't be able to change, and you will not be able to change them. Believe me, I have been abused by 10 people in my lifetime, and I tried everything, hoping and praying on my rosary to change them. Guess what? They never changed, but I did. I left. Living through the same thing over and over, hoping it will change, and only to see the same results again and again is craziness. The only way out is to leave. Let me ask you, what are you afraid of losing? Someone who tears us down? So, you know, your book, Jillian, is incredible because it's your story and then it's it's like a, a manual. And I love the different things that you have in there because every book out there, you, is, there's a need for it. Um, so, again, I'm going to give out our number, 516-531-9643. We'd love to hear from you. 
And here we go. Jillian. Welcome. Hi, Daily. Thank you so much for having me on your show. And thank you so much for allowing me to share my story. Well, thank you for being here, and thank you for sharing your story. (laughs) We need all the stories and all the success stories. I, I definitely agree with you, and I think you and I have shared with one another mm-hmm. prior to speaking was that, mm-hmm. you know, I wrote the book because I wanted to provide a victim, a friend, a good friend. Mm-hmm. I mm-hmm. didn't have very good friends um, mm-hmm. during my 10-year span of abuse, and mm-hmm. I wanted to give hope. I wanted to bring awareness and I wanted to show women and men that they didn't have to stay. And when you're in an abusive relationship, you become brainwashed. You Mm -hmm. become like, you feel like you can't leave. There's so many different reasons why I did not leave several people, um, financial, um, fear of the unknown. And I didn't have a support team. And so I wrote this book. I wanted the person to pick up the book and I wanted to be their friend. I wanted to show them that um, being honest and being truthful about our truth, it's not pretty. It's ugly. But Mm -hmm. the truth sets you free. And the Mm -hmm. truth for some people is so hard to swallow. And, again, I wanted to show people that, hey, I did it, and my circumstances were not easy, and look at all the amazing things I have created. And I want Mm -hmm. people to see possibility versus non-possibility. There's so many possibilities out there, but you, yourself, have to be willing to step out of the muddy water and try something different. And it's hard. Leaving is the Mm -hmm. hardest thing to do. It's the scariest time. Studies have shown that women who try to leave, leaving is the scariest time. And so I provide in the book safe ways, um, good practices to use when leaving, because, again, it's the most dangerous time for anyone who's leaving a um, domestic violence relationship to get out, right? And Mm -hmm. I I never had um, experience ever going to a shelter just because um, I had two young ones and I just wanted to find ways to do it on my own. I had a college degree. Um, My first daughter, my only daughter, not my first, um, my only daughter, I had her at 18 and um, my mom, I can remember getting pregnant and I did, you know, think about having an abortion, but um, I just couldn't go through it. And I remember going home and I was very close to my father and I was laying down because I had, I was in college, the late birthday. And um, I was sitting down and I had never gone to the gynecologist. My parents were very, very Catholic, being fed Catholic. Um, My great uncle Um, was a priest and my dad's brother was a priest we had the bishop coming over for dinner we had different priests coming over for dinner so um 
sex was a no-no in the house. Like it just wasn't something birth control was a no-no. You could not do that. Of course not. You know, you couldn't have sex before you got married. Um, and I had gone home and I, I, I sat down and I was like, um, I think I have a yeast infection. I think I need to go to the gynecologist. And my dad mm-hmm. knew me. My dad was my best friend. Um, mm-hmm. My dad, at a very young age, had a massive heart attack. He was disabled, so he was like our mom. Um, right. And he, he's like, what do you mean? Why do you have to go? You're not pregnant, are you? And I just began crying and sobbing. I'm like, yes, I'm pregnant. I don't know what to do. And so for the very first time, my dad took me to the gynecologist, which was our neighbor, and he delivered all my children. And um, my journey began there. And my mom came from a domestic violence relationship prior to my um, father. She was married prior to him. And her first husband brutally beat her. And she's like, you know, baby, we'll raise your daughter for you. We'll do whatever we need to do. But I was very adamant. I'm a very hard-headed person. Um, I'm like, no, you're not going to raise my daughter. I'm just going to, you know, I'm going to do this. I got this, you know. And my mom's main concern was always to get educated. She told all of us that you need to be educated. You need to have your degree. And so um, I stayed. um, I got married. And I would say the first night that I did get married, I saw true colors. I saw the addiction. I saw the alcoholism. Um, It just it's like, what the hell did I just do? And I just wanted my daughter to have a non-broken home, but it turned out to be a broken home because I stayed and she was subjected to some really terrible things. We both were young. We both only knew what we knew. And we both just didn't have the right tools in our toolbox. And mm-hmm. I make sure now with all of my children to – educate them on life skills and I had no life skills I didn't even know how to freaking wash clothes or vacuum a house goodness sakes you know how could Mm -hmm. I even just take care of my own self and my own mental health at that and I was just always afraid I would I would call my father when things were getting really bad I mean the real um first time my first husband really abused me um we had moved my dad had got us a house near a school that I had gone to. I had always gone to Catholic school my whole entire life. And so um, it was a four-bedroom home, old house. And um, my husband was a paramedic, but, um, again, he was a drug addict. And so he was leaving to go find work. He was working in New Orleans at the time. And um, we got into a huge argument. He broke my childhood bed and just – Terrible things would just continue to go on, you know, and just, I was a young girl. I was like 20 years old in college working as a freaking <laughs> literally insurance agent for my Uncle Wally, a family friend. I had so much on my plate and it's like, I'm a doer. I just did not want to, to be that, be that person to be the first one to file for divorce. And I remember calling my father and being like, I cannot do this anymore. I can't dad. I just want to come home. I I need help. And he's like, okay, we can do that. You know, like come home. Um, I was locked inside that house. I had to break. I literally had to like open up a window and break the window to jump out, go get Gabby. I ran, I had, he broke my cell phone. And so, 
um, I ran down to um, a corner store and I called my dad. My dad came pick me up and he's like, this needs to stop. Like, this is ridiculous. And then um, find out I'm pregnant again. I'm like, man, I can't, I have, I have to stay, you know? And he's like, I, I'm going to change. I'm going to change. Things are going to change. Things are going to get better. It only got worse. And his addiction just literally was just spiraling out of control. I can remember um, another time we moved. I'm like, oh, well, let's just move into a new house. Things will change, right? Like uh, I needed, needed a change. And so we had moved into another home near, um, another school area in town in Lafayette where I grew up. And um, I can remember we had gone to a party and I was working at the high school, St. Thomas More, where I had graduated high school from. And I was a teacher there and I didn't want to get in the car because he was so intoxicated. And I'm like, I'm going to just, I jumped out of the car. Um, I went to McDonald's. I called a taxi and I'm so glad that I did get out the car because on my way, I see state police, I see city police showing up, like going down my road. And I'm like, oh, my God. Then I noticed that a pole, electrical pole, was wiped down. And I'm like, oh, my gosh. And so there's our vehicle, and it's completely bashed in. So he had wrecked the car. So I would have probably been severely injured if, I would have stayed in the car, right? Um, he fled from the police, and then they found him later, and then they charged him with a DWI. But mm-hmm. I was lonely, and mm-hmm. I didn't have a support system. And, again, I'm pregnant. I have a, a four-year, a five-year-old at the time, and poor baby, she's seeing all of this, you know? And mm-hmm. it's like, I don't know what to do, you know? And I stayed because I'm pregnant, And, um, you know, there was a lot of manipulation going on with family Mm -hmm. members saying, um, you should stay, you know, like, it's going to get better. Y'all are young and Mm -hmm. you need to do it. It's the right thing to do. And it's just like, how can you tell someone it's the right thing to do when you're, you're in a terrible situation, literally, mentally, physically, environmentally, let's talk about all of it. You know, I, I felt so alone. I had no one. And I had no good yep. friends, no good friends mm-hmm. that were directed me the right way. And it took my father. I'm gonna, I'm gonna stop you there, and I'm gonna, I'm gonna just say one thing that I would lo- love for you to answer after I bring on our caller, um, and then I'm gonna make a point. One is, do you feel your father? Think about it. Don't answer it now. Do you feel your father was an enabler? Think about it, um, and then. Just a statement that in order to be able to have a healthy relationship, we need to fix us and love ourselves because otherwise we can't love someone else. And I'm sure that's a lesson that you learned because when you get to that point, you are healthy. And mm-hmm. unfortunately, um, the it's a it's a vicious cycle, if you don't get the proper support and the proper help early on, and even if you do, speaking for myself, um, you do tend to be attracted to those kind of men, 
And yep. it's very hard to break that. I mean, I'm in a great place mentally. Um, and I won't say as much as it's not healthy not to, and it's not healthy to be alone, you know, I fell back into that pattern of unhealthiness. It was a different kind, but, and I knew it, you know, and I was, I had gotten a lot of help and I was still getting help. I saw all the red flags, but you're, when you're lonely, it's very bad time to make, to, to, to be in a relationship or to choose the right relationship. And unfortunately we have a lot of, and it goes both ways. We have a lot of sick men out there, traumatized from childhood that never got help that are filling that void with unhealthy, unhealthiness. And you don't want to get pulled and sucked back in. And that's my biggest fear. But anyway, I'm going to bring on our friend Darlene. Thanks, Darlene, for calling in. Welcome. Oops, she hung up. <laughs> that was weird. Maybe she just wanted to listen. Um, so, so we can go back. We can go back to your question. We can go back. Yes. Do you think my dad was an enabler? Absolutely. I think that. I definitely was daddy's girl. My dad would fix all my problems. Mm-hmm. Um, my dad had mental problems. I mean, he was diagnosed with hepatitis C. They gave him six months to live. Mm-hmm. He had tainted blood in him because back in the day, they did not actually check the blood. So he was sick for a very long time. And mentally, I don't think he knew what to do with me. He just knew what he only knew, which was to give me everything and try to fix it. And I never really fell on my face. Right. Um, and you have to fall on your face. You have to really hurt in order to know like, Whoa, I I can't, I don't want to feel like this. Right. And it takes a lot, right. It takes grace. Mm -hmm. It takes, um, discipline. It takes Mm -hmm. to be obedient. And it mm-hmm. takes courage. So mm-hmm. was my father an enabler? Absolutely. Um, and, again, that's why it took him dying for me to leave. When my dad died, I was severely depressed. I went back into selling drugs. And my husband at the time decided to go offshore because we needed the money because there was no more money my father was giving us. And I met another wrong person, and she's like, you need to do this. You need to do that. You need to leave. You deserve so much better. But in, in a way, her um, commercial sounded great, but it wasn't mm-hmm. serving me, right? right. Um, it got me out, and I did leave. I left like a thief in the night, and I never looked back, and I still haven't looked back. And I'm glad I didn't because he has relapsed several times. And he's hurt my children, but he's getting better. Um, And I guess it takes people to get out of an environment and out of those toxic relationships to see, hey, we weren't meant for each other. The two best things that I did get out of it were my daughter and my son. Gabby is 
saved my life at 18. Okay. Um, Matthew is just the most loving, kind gentleman, and I know that he's going to be an extraordinary human being later. He's, he is right now, but when he grows up and he's a man, which he is becoming a man, he's going to know that it's not a right to treat a woman a certain way. Right. And the same thing goes with Gabby. I want her, I wanted her to know that, Hey, you can't allow anyone to treat you poorly. You're a gift. God, all of us are gifts to God. And so, Mm -hmm. you know, again, it took my father to die. I'm going to put you on hold. I'm going to stop you. Okay. I'm going to stop you there. Don't forget where you're up to. Darlene is back. Hold on. Okay. I think she said she's just listening. Are you just listening? listening. (laughs) Well, welcome. (laughs) But it's okay. I I don't mind talking, but Gillian, I always say you're a real spitfire girl. Oh, Miss Darlene, I love you. Thank you so much for always supporting me. You're the best. Thank you. And thank you for calling in. I can bring you on You're the best if you want. What? I'm telling her she's the best. <laughs> yeah. Well, I I see. I see. I, I'm very um, honored and impressed and, um, you know, encouraged um, by, you know, Jillian's story and all the things that she's doing right now. Um, and I hope she's going to help me. In a in a direction, I always, you know, I get out of every show something, um, a message, a learning thing. Here I hope I'm going to learn a lot on how to do things that she's doing. So I'm very excited. Um, I'm going to put you back on mute, Darlene, okay? Um, you can message me if you want to say something, but I will come back to you soon. Okay, thank you. So I hope I didn't um, uh, um, distract your train of thought. Oh, no, I kept it. (laughs) Okay, good. Um, So like I was saying, it took my father to die Mm because that was literally the worst feeling in the world. I still, you know, it, it still hurts knowing that he's not there. I can't pick up the phone. He can't fix it, right? I have to fix myself now. Um, and it also took me facing five years in federal penitentiary. I didn't get to go, thank God. But those were moments in my life where, and it's interesting that we're talking about it because last week in EMDR with therapy, we were going over some traumas and the traumas from 18 to 30, it was just like a whirlwind of just like, recycled abuse right mm-hmm. and I, I thank my ex-husband for setting me up with the police because the worst moment that I've ever experienced was knowing that my little girl who she looked up to me as a role model had let her mm-hmm. down mm-hmm. and Seeing her when I got out, I I was incarcerated for eight days, and then I had to go and seek treatment. I was so excited. I was like, oh, 
my boyfriend got me out. I'm getting out. I'm going to go back to doing the same thing. <laughs> like, Nate. didn't Nate. have any, like, responsibility of what I had done. And right. there my mother was. And I'm like, what are you doing here? And she's like, get in the car. And I'm like, I'm starving. I have not eaten in eight days. I was in jail with a woman who's HIV positive. Why did you leave me in there? And she's like, you have royally effed up. And I'm like, oh, my gosh. Like, where are you taking me? Why are there bags? Like, are we going on a vacation or something? She's like, you are going to treatment. And I'm like, why do I need treatment? I'm a drug dealer. Like, what in the world? And she, I'm like, can you please stop and get me like some Popeyes or McDonald's? And she's like, this is not a joke, Jillian. My mom's a hard ass, and I love her for right. that because my dad wasn't a hard ass. My dad allowed me to do whatever but I want. But she was never, you know? she was not around when when you were going through most. She was of your constantly. She was, so my mom comes from a very impoverished family. My mom did not want my father's family taking care of us she's a doer like myself so Mm -hmm. she went on to get her degree in speech pathology then she got a degree in education then she got her master's plus 30 and so she was the breadwinner and she had a very hard life they had three girls um she had me for goodness sake and I was a handful in myself and are you you know are you the middle are you the middle I'm the baby I'm the baby. Um, And it was hard. It was a really hard thing. I'm like, I, and I knew that if I left treatment, I would go back to jail. I'm like, I don't want to go back to jail. There's like gross people there talking in the toilets. I cannot do this, you know? And the woman that I was incarcerated with, because I'm like, I cannot be in a cell with someone who's HIV positive. So they moved me with, an older um, black lady and she was reading the Bible to me and she's like, you need to pray. And at that moment, I'm like, Oh my gosh, God's talking through instrumentally other people. And that was like a moment of my life that I always had my faith. Right. I always knew that I never was alone. That God was always going to take care of me. And that always got me through. And right. Going to treatment and not seeing my daughter for four weeks and then finally seeing her and then her just, like, looking behind the door, I was like, that was the moment that, like, okay, I need to get my shit together. Like, stop being so damn selfish, Jillian, you know? Right. And so for two years, I was in a program where I had to randomly get drug tested. I had to sit at a table with people who I didn't think were like me, but they were just like me. Mm-hmm. And I learned that it's not okay to do the things that I was doing. And from mm-hmm. that forward on, I knew that I could not do illegal activity, right? Or I was going mm-hmm. to jail for a very long time. And then my children would not have anyone. They did not have right. a father. And right. I had to get my shit together. So I was seeing a guy who I'm still very good friends with, and I loved him. I loved him, who he was. He never abused me. He was a great guy, but he was in love with making sure that he was going to do what he needed to do, right? Mm -hmm. And I just couldn't come to grips with that, right? And I had proposed to Mm -hmm. him, I would say, three years after 
I had been through this program and he told me, no, he's like, I'm not marrying you. You deserve so much more. And I was so mad and I was so pissed off. And long story short, that's when the cycle finding, like you just said, finding those same characteristics that we see in those that we've already been involved with, with Mm -hmm. same thing happening over again. And so, Oh, you know, just, married a convict didn't even know it and um I divorced him after two weeks being married to him and that was just like a shit show because now that I do a lot of case law I find out that he literally was indicted on burning down houses and when I left him I got a restraining order because he told me that he would burn myself in my home and he actually oh had did it to three other women and so oh I'm like, God. oh, my God, he's being serious. Like, what the heck? It's, very, I, I it's a very scary, scary. It's a very scary dating, dating world out there. I mean, you don't know anybody. You should always do a background check on anyone that you begin dating with. Know who is sitting at your table. Yeah. Well, I don't, I've never brought anybody to my home. <laughs> my kids have never, ever <laughs> met anyone, anyone. Um. Actually, my son, I think, is listening to the show. That's um, cute. Um, my, my 17-and-a-half-year-old, if he's, if he's listening, I will never bring anybody to this home, okay? <laughs> um, go on. All right. So there goes another abusive relationship, right? Like mm-hmm. just spit in my face getting in me, intimidating me, doing this, doing that lying to me, you know, I'm like, I'm not doing this. I can't do this. And so my mom had warned me. And, I'm like, oh, and you had right two again. kids by then. You had two yes, kids by then. Exactly. And, and um, when you were came from a very good, go ahead. When you were incarcerated, who took care of, or when you were in treatment, who was there taking care of your, your two kids then, right? So who would, was taking care of them? Um, my mother. Oh, while she was working. Correct. Wow. While she had just lost her husband, her lifelong partner. Wow. Wow. Grieving, right? How yeah. selfish of myself. Um, so I had lived with her and I'm like, I can't live with her because like we are just, we butt heads and there's no way I can live with her. Like no way. And so I found did some interesting things. I got a house. I moved into this horror house because that's where all of my more abuses happen. Literally, like abuse after abuse after abuse after abuse, like constant. I'm like, what am I doing? Like, honestly, I would have like self talks with myself, like, seriously, there's something seriously wrong with me. You know, like, I am choosing all the wrong people. And I filed a restraining order on my second husband and he wouldn't sign the divorce papers because he's crazy. And he would just randomly pop up at my office and just weird stuff was going on. And then I started dating this other guy who's now dead. He's an attorney and um, he came with me to court and we were able to get the restraining order. And then he was like a psychopath. And so I'm like, okay, I can't date another psychopath. So I ended that relationship because he slept with my girlfriend. And, you know, I'm like, God, I'm never going to find anyone. And then I met my fiance, 
my last fiance before being married to my current husband and um he seems normal. You know, he came from a great family. He was very honest about, you know, he was in recovery for two years and he was living in Ruston, which was like three and a half hours away from me. And I fell in love. I really did love this person. And I felt he loved me too, but love shouldn't hurt. Like love shouldn't have restrictions. Love should not constitute physical abuse. Love should not constitute sexual abuse. Love is infinite. And Mm -hmm. the love that I had with him was more of a codependent love. We were together for um, a little bit over a year and he was addicted to drugs. I mean, he was honest. He told me he was in recovery for two years. You know, he moved into my home um, and he was relapsing and he relapsed and he fractured my face. Um, oh my I ran, I jumped out of my, my bathroom window on Rena drive in Lafayette, Louisiana. And I ran for my life. I called my girlfriend. She's like, you need to call the police. I'm like, no, I don't want to call the police. She's like, why don't you want to call the police? I'm like, I don't know. I'm scared. And she's like, you need to call the police. And I never called the police. I took him back. Um, on my birthday. So he abused me. I think it was in August or September. Um, took him back and he was just constantly using, constantly abusing me sexually. Um, Can I accept you there? You know, yes. Can I accept? Um, Darlene has a question. Go ahead, Darlene. You're on. Yes. uh, It wasn't really a question. I was going to say, well, I'm glad you took ownership, you know, when your dad died and your kids were with your Mm -hmm. mom. Mm -hmm. Uh, But one Mm -hmm. thing that I thought about, you know, it probably helped your mom also having somebody around. Oh, she absolutely. Wasn't so lonely. It did. She loved yeah. those two kids. Yeah, so she could cuddle with somebody, you know? <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah. Okay, that's what I had to say about that. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Well... You know, you could just text me and I'll bring you on, or I'll check with it, check in with you shortly. Okay, thank you. I'm going to give out our number again: five one six five three one nine six four three. We have an incredible guest this evening on the Never Give Up Show, and we'd love to hear from you. Okay, go on. Sorry. No worries. No worries. So it took. Some, as I call them, my goons came and found me, and they were like, "Jillian, the dude fractured your face. Why haven't you done something about it? If you don't do something about it, I'm gonna do something about it." I'm like, "Oh my God, y'all don't need to do this." And so he proposed to me while I was on the toilet, puking on my birthday, vomiting on the toilet. Proposed to me, he wants to marry me. And the next, that, that night, my daughter wrecked my vehicle into the house. The house was literally wide open, and he took off. And the kid's dad came and picked up my daughter and my son. And my best friend, who's been my friend since we've been 15 years old, she came to me, and she's like, if you don't go to the police, I'm going to go, and I'm going to report mm. this. You deserve so yeah. much more. And I was so afraid. I remember sitting in the parking lot. I'm like, the police must, like, know me. Like, oh, here she comes. The, the 
inspired right. woman, mm-hmm. you know, mm-hmm. never, never gets it. She never, just, <laughs> she just obviously is the most vulnerable person that she'll ever meet, has a heart of gold, just keeps taking people back, fixing them. And I had documentation of my MRI on my face. I had documentation of the doctors that I had shared with that I was being abused. And I left. They never reported it? And I kicked the, no, the doctors never did. never reported Wow. I never gave a name. Okay. Interesting, right? Mm-hmm. Small town for you. So I told him that he needed to leave because obviously I had, you know, press charges on him. And he left, and I was very sad. I was sad for mm-hmm. a cry for two months because I had no closure. Um, mm-hmm. And I still, I loved him for some reason, right? Mm-hmm. It was a sickening love. And mm-hmm. after I had done all this, it's my a, girlfriend it's from Houston. It's yeah, bonding. for sure. Um, exactly. And I don't like trauma bonding. I, it's not healthy. Mm-hmm. And... Nope. Um, I left and I had gone with my girlfriend to Mississippi and then I had stopped on my way back with one of my suitors to go knock on his door. And I'm like, Hey, um, he's like, where have you been? And I was like, um, I mean, I was in a relationship for a very long time. And he's like, yeah, you left me for another person to abuse you. And I'm like, okay, that's the past. He's like, well, I'm dating someone. You need to leave. She doesn't like you. I'm like, how does she not like me? Like, oh my God, she doesn't even know who I am. I'm not leaving until you give me some type of monetary value, you know? And he's like, here, Julian. And he's like, I'll get one of my friends to go and meet you. And so um, I was like, what? So long story short, um, I went to the Motley on because he owned half of this hotel in New Orleans. And we were completely pie-eyed, drunk, my girlfriend and I. And I'm like, oh, God, some, like, 70-year-old man's going to show up. But it wasn't. It was my husband. And he's like, uh, you must be Jillian. I'm like, okay, who the hell are you? And he's like, um, I'm Lonnie. And I'm like, oh, okay, hey, what's up? I was like, do you have money for me or something? And he's like, no, why? And I'm like, okay, what are you doing here? And he's like, well, I need to pick up the tab. He told me to come here. And I'm like, okay. So we started talking. <laughs> And he was military, and he was nothing, okay? Like, this was nothing I would have ever chose out of a lineup of someone I would want to date, okay? Complete opposite. And I was like, well, maybe I need to, like, try something new, right? Like, obviously what I've been doing for the past 10 years has been very unhealthy. Let's try this. And so he's like, I want to get your number. And I was like, at first I was like, oh, I don't know if I'm going to give him my number. So I gave him my girlfriend's number. And um, he's like, I'd like to actually nice. take you on a, re- a real, a real date. You're, you're really smart. And you really need to start getting some self-worth because it seems like you have none. And I'm like, what? Like, did he really just tell me that? And the truth hurts, right? Yeah. And so he did. He came into town because he figured my friend was like, why did you give him my number? And I'm like, why did you give him my number? And so he was living in New Orleans and um, he got my number obviously from my friend and was like, Hey, it's me. I want to come into town. I want to take you to dinner. Like I told you and, um, and show you what a real man is like. I was like, all right, cool. Like I work all week. You can come in on Friday and take me out to dinner. And so we went out to dinner, and I was seeing, like, four different gentlemen at the time. 
And Lonnie and I had formed a bond. Like he shared a lot with me. He was dealing with a crazy ex-woman, his ex-wife, who was parent alienating his children. The only way that he could see his children was, was being with her. It's just like crazy. I've never seen anything like that. Um, very unhealthy. I mean, I have no room to talk, right? And um, we were just like, we had a relationship. And so six months into the relationship, my husband came to my house and I'm like, hey, what's going on? He just like ran and he's like, you, co- you go home every day for lunch. And I know that you're seeing like Didn't four you other people. Didn't you have a all their against him? <laughs> no, no, no. This Didn't is you? my real husband. Like I'm currently married. Okay. So this is Oh, fast forward 2011, right? And okay. I had already filed charges on the last fiance before my current marriage now. And I started seeing a bunch of people, Monty oh, okay. being one of them. And um, oh. he showed up at my house unexpected oh. and was like, look, I'm not going to be second best. And I'm like, okay. And he's like, I really love you. And I can give you the lever to beaver life that you deserve because you're a Christian woman. You're a great mom. You are a beautiful human being, but I'm not going to be second best. He's like, so you need to get on your phone right now and you need to end every single relationship or I'm walking out the store and you're never going to see me again. And I was like, Oh man, wow. that's like my car note, my house note. I was like, okay, well, if, are you going to be paying my car note, my house note? Cause this <laughs> is what people do. They like, you know, and he's like, yeah, I'll do whatever, but I'm not going to be second best. Make the calls or I'm leaving. So that day, I literally called every single one of the men that were my suitors, and I ended it with them because wow. I knew I deserved this. And mm-hmm. my husband is not an easy person to love. He is a 30-year war combat soldier. He's mm-hmm. gone to seven different deployments. He has a lot of PTSD. He has a lot of PTSD with the ex-wife because she cheated on him numerous times, had abortions while he was at war. So he has a lot of trust issues. I get it. Mm-hmm. So do I, you know? Mm-hmm. And so when he told me that, hey, Jillian, I love you. I want to go further. And I was like, well, if we're going to go further, I think we both need to start seeing a therapist. Because we both mm-hmm. have issues, and we need to work out those issues before we go any further. And so he's like, find a therapist. I have the best health insurance. And so we started seeing somebody, and she was super helpful, and she worked through our things. She knew things that would set him off, things that would set me off. And my journey of healing began. My husband proposed to me six months after therapy, and told me that I needed to quit my job because I was working a job where I was taking care of two grown women that are both dead now after I I left. And Mm -hmm. I was pregnant with twins. I lost one of the twins and Mm -hmm. because of stress. And he's like, you'll never have to work again. You need to just take care of our children and I'm going to take care of you and you can do whatever you want, whatever you want to do. You're a creative person. Like you can do so much. You're so brilliant. And I began to find myself. I started working with a coach for three years. Wow. I found out exactly what I wanted. I wanted to be financially free. I wanted to love myself so I could love 
everyone, right? And I, mm-hmm. I began my journey of healing. But healing comes in different forms. And mm-hmm. I began writing my book, my memoir, this book that you're talking I'm about, gonna, My Ugly I'm Truth, Life Behind Abuse. I'm going to stop you there for a minute. I want to bring on Kathy. Hi. Hi, Kathy. Hi, I, I just Kathy. want to let you know. Hi. I want to let you know it's a very compelling story. I've been listening, so I, I wanted to let Bailey know, too. I'm glad you let me call in. I'm going to keep listening, and I'm looking forward because I have not yet understood this look-back window situation. But you'll get there. Uh, it truly yes, is. Um, it truly is a courageous thing. Boy, have you been hit from every way. It's amazing. And, uh Compelling, and very strong so woman. Much more, and, and, so much more. Yeah, there'll be more. But I just want—I'm going to listen again online. But I wanted to call in to let you know that you know I'm here listening, and I, I appreciate know you, you. Are, Thank you, Miss Kathy. I appreciate you. She's. I tell you, uh, Bailey, I have just found you because I no longer. I got a new laptop. I can't get in my old Facebook account with password stuff. You know, so I found you. <laughs> I did. So anyway, thank you. And you were able to, are we friends? Did you send me a friend? No, actually, I I actually looked up Blog Talk Radio, Joe Cock found uh, the name of the show. Um, You know, I can remember it, and I saw, oh, here it is, Friends Talk Radio Network, and then I I searched and I found you. So So. you need to send me a are you back on Facebook? We'll get we'll get together. Um, get okay. get through to Victoria. She'll send you my email address. Okay. And Darlene, no maybe too. Anyway. Okay. okay. Well, thank I'm you. I'm going to listen and, and keep show. keep it up. Hit that thank stupid. You. They, thank they you. knocked me. They knocked me out of Washington D.C. on the first day. Lawyer said I qualified, which surprised me. I wasn't even trying on a five-year look-back window in Washington D.C. But then I didn't, and I couldn't understand. But at least South Carolina lifted all the statute of limitations completely, so there's no look-back window thing there, and uh, I can file there, which I well, did. Well, I think I really believe that Jillian is going to get this passed everywhere. Um, oh, I, I'm. It's getting. There's no stopping it. Let's just. And Jillian yeah. and all of us, are, you know, the strength behind it. It's just not stopping. Anyway, thanks yeah. again. I'll Thank you. On the phone. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you so much. You're amazing. Thank you. She's been one of my followers forever. So, That's um, awesome. I appreciate that, yeah. Um, so, so go on. Back to the story. It, it took getting out. Mm-hmm. Oh, I'm mm-hmm. sorry. I'm going to make it up to you. Uh, same. It's just, it's gross. It's disgusting. It's any type of abuse, right? And I really began working on myself. I became a healing, a practitioner. I learned that I'm an infinite being. I'm everywhere. And then another roadblock came about. I began writing mm-hmm. my story. It was great. I was like rolling, you know, it was like on fire. Um, I was devoutly like back in my church going adorations two hours at a time and I really truly believe that when we're doing God's work the evildoers will just try their hardest to just put a wrench into it and 
my husband really was not happy with living in Louisiana. Um, and I got it. We had Gabby was homecoming first made for, you know, she had a great life and girls, I feel like they need more um, stability than boys. I think boys mm-hmm. are more resilient than girls, in my opinion. So she, I told him, I'm like, look, my husband's a complete soldier. Like he lives, dies for America. And I knew he wasn't happy where he was at. And so they were offering him a position in Fort Hood, Texas. And he's like, what do you think about this? I said, I think it's a great idea. Do it. So, yeah. Because he's always letting me do whatever. Like you do would always tell people, do what you love and be so passionate about it. That's how you know you know what you're doing and what is chosen for you, right? And Mm -hmm. so I'm like, go ahead, say yes. So he said yes. And so I was worried because we were kind of in just Afghanistan. Things were going really bad. And then I was getting anxious because I was afraid that my husband would have to go back to war. He served seven different deployments, came back alive each time. But we built such a beautiful family together. He converted over to being Catholic. He was Baptist his whole entire life. He was named after his grandfather and he converted wow. for our family. And we, wow. you know, blessed our marriage in the church as Catholics. And I've always been told that when you have a problem, go seek a priest. And right. my best friend was having problems in her marriage. And mm-hmm. she came to me and she's like, I think I need to pray more, Jillian. I was like, well, we can go pray like a good adoration after I drop off little Lonnie I go to church, I sit there for two hours, and we had met a woman, and she's like, oh, there's this healing priest that's coming to Plaisance, Louisiana, and he's healed so many people, and, like, we saw, like, the news station had done something on him where he had healed someone from cancer, all this stuff, I'm like, ooh, maybe he can heal me from my herniations in my back, like, I always have back problems, maybe he can heal me from the terrible things in my body, like, I'm a survivor of cervical cancer. Like I was all, I'm always afraid that it's going to come back. Right. Like maybe he can heal me. Like, well, that's not true. Like even with your sins as Catholics, we believe that if we receive the sacrament of reconciliation, God forgives that moment. Right. So Mm -hmm. I go with my best friend to this mass Catholic church. Gail Nunez was the, the pastor at the time. And there's this old man in a wheelchair. And then he's like having these, theological apparitions of what God's telling him. And so I'm like, Ooh, this is so cool. Like, I feel like I've never been to a church like this. Cause like Catholic church, you know, you, you say your prayers, you know, all that great stuff. Well, people were going up and they were like falling over as they were being blessed by this fake priest. Who's now dead. My abuser. Mm. And Oh my God. I didn't fall over. I'm like, okay, that's weird. I'm probably possessed by the devil, you know, like wrong thinking, like what's wrong. And then my girlfriend goes up and then he's like, whoa, you need to come see me. And I'm like, he's saying that like really loud. He's an old man. He's like 83 years old. And she's like, what, what do you think he means? And then the very next day, her husband went nuts. And when I mean nuts, like took a bat to her car And she's like, Jillian, you need to call that priest, please. I need to go see him. And I'm like, okay. So I got the priest number and we went see him. And then. And you said he was your abuser? 
Yes, I'm. I'm gonna. I'm leading you into the story. Okay. And Sorry. we both went. We both went, and he did soaking prayer. So soaking prayer is when someone prays over you, right? And he would begin with a ritual of this healing oil that he would bless you with over your head, and then he would strangle you. Literally, he would see stars, and then touch your entire body, your breast, your pubic area, your buttocks, everywhere. And when this first happened, I'm like, why are you doing that? And he's like, well, you have demons all over you. I'm trying to, like, get rid of them. And I'm like, oh, my God, I have demons on me? And what the heck, you know? And find out after being abused eight different times by this man because he would groom me. He made me believe that I would be part of this grotta that he was trying to create, the armada, blood of the lamb, and that he made me believe that Mary was talking to him. And anyone who knows me knows that I'm a devout Catholic, and my beautiful and most beautiful mother that I always go to is a blessed Virgin Mary. And he abused her and abused me in several different ways. And I had had to report it. Katie stopped going. Katie's a childhood survivor. And she's like, he is molesting us, Jillian. I'm like, no, he's not. I was so like just caught up in this brainwash mentality of like, this is right. I have demons on me, blah, blah, blah. And she's like, we have to report this. And I brought my mom. My mom's like, something's not right. I'm like, well, I have one more time to go. And the last time was the last time I ever saw him. And on the assumption of Mary, I had signed because I kept praying to God, like, I need to tell somebody I have to do something. And I went to my uncle, who's the priest, and he's like, you need to go to the authorities and you need to contact the church. And so I did that. We reported it. I was swept away by the um, advocate person at the church, and they advised me not to go to because usually when you have an abuse or something happens to you, you go where the abuse happened, that parish. And Louisiana has parishes, not counties. So they're like, no, 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 we have a specialist. Her name's Stacy Pearson. She's a state police. She'll do the report. And so I did a written report of all the incidents of what happened to me. Um, I went in with my husband. We did a recorded report, and she's like, well, you're, you were consensual. And I was like, how was I consensual? She's like, well, you're an adult. You're not a child. <sighs> oh, my God. And mind you, there was another victim that magically God showed her to me. I've never met her until a priest gave me her number, not my uncle, a priest. And he told me to contact her because – I needed to end what was going on. And when I mean just craziest mystical things that continue to happen, like I had to keep going and going and going and going and going, being told no, you reach the statute of limitations, you don't have a lawsuit, but my friend, the guy that I was telling you about, my lover, Kevin, who told me no, he didn't want to marry me, he's like, you have three years, Jillian. Go find an attorney that knows what they're doing. And so right. I found an attorney, and I filed a federal lawsuit, and so did my friends. And now we're in court, and our abuser's dead. He died three weeks ago. 
And I'm going to keep fighting because the truth needs to be told and he needs to be on the yeah, list. Because there's, so many, there's any, so many more people probably that will come forward. Well, right. Because not only that, like, if anybody who knows anything about abusers, they have a laundry list of other victims. It's oh, not yeah. just one person. And yeah. the first victim who reported it, they created a council and they couldn't find any evidence that she had been sexually abused, but they had a theological investigation based upon his apparitions that they weren't like real. Right. But like you guys allow this and I, I can't talk about it because I have a confidentiality thing going right. on, but I can tell my story of what he did to me. Right. Right. Um, right. And I'm going to continue to talk about it because it needs to be heard and people need to be aware yeah. that even um, a clergyman, even a lay person in the church, if you're a vulnerable person, you're an easy target. Right. So I finished writing my book and I added that in it because I've been abused in every single situation, every type of abuse you could think of, including spiritual, the worst one, ultimate abuse, literally. Mm-hmm. To be abused mm-hmm. by your own church is sickening. Mm-hmm. And then for them to cover without it up, God even... in my faith, which pushed me right. through everything, that was taken away from me. And I'm so yeah. lucky I have the most godliest little baby little Lonnie brought me back. I'm so glad I moved to Texas where I have a faith-based community and I was brought back to my church and I'm not going to give up. I'm going to take my freaking flashlight. I'm going to shine the lights where it needs to be shined and it needs to be exposed because it's my job to purify my church. And so I've been linked up with several organizations, SNAP, SCSA, and I was, very honored to be part of a committee where I'm from, born, raised, Louisiana girl, total Cajun. Um, the, the law in Louisiana stood that you had until the age of 28, and we went in trying to push it to the age of 53, but mm-hmm. we got more than that. There's no, none. none. There's no restriction. There's now a three-year window to look back, so... They'll have, it was from August the 11th when the law went into place. So they'll have from August 11th, 2021 until August 11th, 2024 to file a civil lawsuit against organizations, against a person who abused them when they were told, hey, you had until you were the age of 28 to report this. Because studies have shown that victims, childhood um, victims don't come out, especially men until the age of 53. And why are we putting restrictions on when anybody can come out about their abuse? Some people don't remember. Some people don't remember. It's wrong. Exactly. It's not, it's not fair for their healing journey. Right. Right. And so anyone who knows me, I'm a spitfire. I won't be told no. I won't stand down and I will continue fighting and I'm going to fight for those that can't speak because it's not easy to tell your story, right? It's not easy to talk about something that's so uncomfortable amongst people who've never experienced it. And I want this to not be uncomfortable anymore. We need to be awoke. We need to be aware that, 
hey, talk to your little guys. Talk to your children. Let them know, hey, if you don't want to tell me, find a safe person to go talk to because they deserve to heal. Everyone deserves to heal. No one deserves to be held down again and and, and be muzzled. Use your voice. At least you have that. And, and, and you know what? Perpetrated by your perpetrator. You know the we we know that they they choose their victim. You know, and it's yeah. You know, it's, he it's, saw it's, me it's, and the, Catherine among third women find out that my abuser within the church. He has a degree in domestic battery from Harvard. Louis Harvard. Come on, he saw us from a mile away. He's like, oh, I got these. Whatever sick perverted right. thing he had going on that he wanted to do for us, and it's just sad that the church didn't do anything about it, and they're fighting no. against our truth. You know, and it's just sad. It's like that's not a bishop's supposed to just help their little wounded sheep to bring them back. Yeah. And it's we're ha- just told once and time and time again, let's pay the attorney, the the attorney that's representing them. So. Let's give him the money. Let's not, and I pay for my own therapy. I pay cash every single week since 2017. I have gone to every single week to EMDR therapy that work on myself, to work on my triggers, to take care of myself, to know that I can be strong for others that don't have the means. Like my friend, she doesn't have the means. She doesn't have a husband that has affordable health care to go get herself help. Right. I choose right. to go do this. And I don't even use my insurance. I pay cash because I have you a little one. I have an eight-year-old. I have a 21-year-old right. daughter. I have a 16-year-old son. I have a community of people that are are counting on me. i I got to love myself so I can love a whole entire population of wounded people that mm-hmm. no one wants to help. Yeah. And so and, I'm going to continue and, going on. I'm not stopping. Can, I just can I just jump in for a minute? Yeah. Um, this not just happens in the church. You know, I'm Jewish, and, you know, it's only been maybe a handful of years, maybe, not even, that they stopped sweeping this under the rug forward where rabbis were doing this. And not just rabbis, um, women. Um, there was a whole story, um, a principal in Australia of an old girl's very religious school. Um, she ruined a hundred girls' lives. And Horrible. she came for money. She came for money. And she, it might, it might be more, more people might have come forward, but from the last I read, she, she was shipped off by her family or whatever to Israel, and they harbored her for years and years and years. And then, and then when they finally found her, she, they they claimed her insane. If I'm if I'm wow. not mistaken, the last I read, she was they they overturned it. I don't remember, but I was horrified because. A hundred girls' lives, or however many came really? forward in the end, were destroyed. And then, you know, on the other hand, you know, 
my dad was a teacher. He was a rabbi. And, you know, he worked amongst many rabbis that were abusers and had no idea. They had no idea. And it only opened, it only came forward because one brave person, and I don't know who that was, came forward. And from there, many more came forward. And the schools, just like in the church, tried to cover it up. And, you know, it's not okay. Not any religion, not any public school, organization, school, organization, yeah. sex, anybody, it's not okay. And, you know, you know, it's anything that you're going to sweep under the rug is going to bite you in the ass one day or another. And not only that, you destroy these people's lives forever. So many of these people it's never lifetime sentence for a victim. They never go on to live productive, happy lives, especially, especially when the communities are so tight-knit and they try to protect each other, protect the abusers. How is a victim yep. ever supposed to get closure and help when you when you throw it under the rug and you 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 want to shut people up it, it's not okay not okay i don't care i'm talking about my own religion where i grew up where i went to school where i know people i mean where my father worked it's not okay abuse in any shape or form is not okay and it has to be brought up and it has to be out there you know in my in my community in my communities domestic violence is biting them in the ass right now um because um you know they swept it under the rug communities were not supportive people didn't want to hear about it because it's too much they can't deal with it and there's a very big problem right now and that and that problem is the fact that we not only get married secularly we get married in through a jewish court and it is binding it is binding and you can a, a woman has to be the man there's a lot behind it it's not it's not um i did a whole show on this it's not um it, it's not like a, that a man has power over a woman, but the man has to initiate, he has to give the woman the divorce. And now these men are using it as abuse. They're using it as coercive control. And it's it's become a pandemic in, 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 in the communities because they refuse to give. There's one woman I went to rally for in a different state, um, in front of this man's work and home, 18 years, he has held her captive, and she has not remarried. And he has gone against the religion and remarried, because he's not allowed to. He has two wives, according to the Jewish law. And, you know, it's and he's not the only one. He's, he's, there's so many. And they're trying to fight these guys, but you're dealing with very sick people. And the problem is when you're dealing with very sick people, like priests or people that cover up or, in this case, um, you know, very sick men, 
there's very few ways to get to them and to get them to give these divorces. Very few ways. They're narcissistic sociopaths, and you can't you can't win with them. And and you know it's it's a big problem because you swept something under the rug rug for so long that now look at the problem you caused. So now they're trying to undo it by when when people get married now they have to sign like a prenup that they will give this divorce or they give they sign something I haven't seen one but they sign something now that they will give that or or it's like a, a divorce or something that they sign in advance or something to that effect because you know they're trying to overturn that issue and it's so sad for so so many women because they have not only endured years of abuse but they're dealing they're chained to these men who a lot of them have gone on to live their lives because they got divorced secularly but in our religion you have to have that document in order to remarry according to the Jewish law and it's it's, it's the know, same thing with the Catholic religion. You have to have your annulment. And my annulment do they, took, is, it, um, is there is there a paper? Yeah, five years it took me. Five years. I proved abuse. I proved um, physical abuse, sexual abuse, and that I was too young to be married, right? <clears throat> mm-hmm. Find out the person who gave my annulment is on the list for abuse. So it's like, what a joke, you know, like, oh my gosh, like the church, my church, Roman Catholic church is not like it was. Like I I have a good friend, Quinn, who went to seminary school and he stopped being a priest because he just felt that they just use their authority and, and, and choose to, do whatever they want to do, right? And it's not right. That's not what uh, that's not what our church is based on, right? The Apostles' Creed, you know, like that's that's not what we were brought up, and that's why he didn't. And he's all about exposing these terrible priests and these yeah. scandals that are going on. <clears throat> Take yeah. it a step further. I'm good friends with a nun out here, um, and she stopped. Being, she's always going to be a nun, but she broke away from the order, and she's ostracized. She can't even like yeah. go in that house with her sisters anymore because she's not. Yeah. She broke away, she, and, and this woman's funny. heart is beautiful. It's golden, mm-hmm. and it's just saddening to me to see so many people being spiritually abused, and that's not what God wants, regardless of what religion you or God. Is so good. God is so simple. Why are we complicating things? Why are we hurting people? It's not what God wants. Mm-hmm. God's simple. Mm-hmm. Stop. Now, what human beings one, complicate things? One rabbi did a class when all this came to light to him, and you know, he he did a class. It's on YouTube. I can I could send it to you. And he it was the first rabbi that ever validated me. And he said, do not use 
don't you dare use the Torah, which is the Bible, to abuse mm-hmm. women. I have it at my house. Don't you dare use the Torah as as an excuse to use, abuse women. There's, it's not okay. And that class, I mean, I got to, on a, on a Zoom face-to-face, I got the chance to thank him. Um, he's an incredible speaker. Um, and he's he was one that came forward against what these men are doing. And, you know, he's a powerful voice. Um, but it's, you know, that you need, you need so much, so many powerful people to come forward, people that have big positions in the communities mm-hmm. to come forward and help fight. And they have to, because otherwise, if they don't, they are allowing all these enablers or the flying monkeys to 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 do to who are just as bad as these people, whether it's an abuser that you're covering up for or it's um a sexual abuse abuser um a a, um, a violent a domestic violent or a, a domestic abuse person. If you're covering up any form of abuse in any way, shape, or form, you are just as guilty See, as, as the person that abuse. Yep. And if you have the power, <clears throat> authority, as an authority, if you have the power to help bring it out there and help these innocent victims, it's your duty. Whether it's a priest, whether it's a rabbi, whether it's teachers, whether it's principals, whether it's camp counselors, whoever the hell it is, it is your responsibility. So I'm letting all of you out there know, whoever's listening, if you are covering something up, you are an abuser just like the abuser. If you have the power out there to help these innocent victims, and not just the adult victims, but the children of those victims, because those children of those victims suffer. Are caught, it's it's child abuse, and what what's being done to their parents for them it's child abuse. So you are just setting up another cycle. So do we want it to end? Hell yeah! I want to see it in my lifetime. You know. So, you know, that's just the point I wanted to make because um, it's so important for us to keep talking about this, you know, in order for change to happen. You know, I started advocating about four years ago, four and a half years ago for mental health because my oldest son had a breakdown, whatever, in the middle of all my crap. And, you know, I started on LinkedIn and... And I created this humongous, led on to Facebook and so on. And I have this huge support family. Um, and, you know, I've seen in four and a half, five years, so much change um, just by us advocates. And now laws are being changed. So the power of words, the power of stories, the power of sharing, the power of support. 
power of education, the power of awareness, the power of community is so important for healing, for, for, you know, getting the word out there. People don't even realize how much power they may have. So I hope that those words, you know, reach someone that have, has the opportunity to, to do something, to make change because, you know, trauma destroys a person and some, some people just can't get past it and some people can't get the proper help. And we have, and that's why there's so much dysfunction. So I'm glad that I got to say what I wanted to say, but I'm glad that you, you know, you're, you brought all this topic to light and, um, you know, it's, it's so sad. I'm just, I'm going to give out our number again. We have about 39 minutes left, 516-531-9643. We'd love to hear from you. Darlene, I'm going to bring you back on just in case you want to say something. You're back on? Yes, I'm here. And I I want to say hello to Kathy. She's still there, too. (laughs) She's listening. She's listening. She's listening. I think she said... She got locked out of her Facebook. She got a new computer, yeah. something to that effect. So yeah, she knows my shows on Tuesday night. She she knows my shows on Tuesday night. Even though I tagged her, she couldn't see it. So, um, but I, Kathy, I want to let you know: download SoundCloud and look up my show, Never Give Up Show, um, and I will get you email um, from Victoria um, and. But hopefully you'll get back onto Facebook because you're missing so many great things on there. Um, but you can look up my show, Never Give Up Show, and you can follow me on there. I upload all the shows after the show because sometimes it's just easier to click on click on it. You can listen while you're driving um, and versus having to go into Block Talk Radio and whatever. We're a whole bunch of different people doing shows. We're a network of people doing shows at every night of the week. So um, you have, you know, a list of the shows are not listed um, in order. So anyway. Yeah. Um, I want to say something. Yeah, talk. Jillian? Yes, ma'am. Hey, Jillian, you spit yes, fire ma'am. girl. You, you are a positive <laughs> role model, and I look up to you, Blue, um, I'm not lying when I say it now, you know, I'm being honest. And uh, I'm a Christian lady as well. You know, I I admit I couldn't have made it through it without God. Mm-hmm. There's mm-hmm. no way I could have survived. You know, um, you are a true spitfire and a positive role model for so many. And um, I, I want you just to have some new time a lot of times, too. Instead of worrying about everybody else, you need to. I think you need to take more care of yourself. Because I really like that Halloween thing that you got. You know, that you and your kids. <laughs> I really like that, and I can see that you're more more calm. I mean, well, you, you can tell you're right there in your atmosphere with your kids. You know. Yeah, and my kids are my that. Yes, and you could see that. You know. And I love seeing those pictures like that. Mm-hmm. And, uh, but you are a true inspiration like that. And um, I just wanted to say that. 
my mask is off. I had to literally face myself. I had to love myself. I had to trust myself. Mm -hmm. I had to take care of myself so that I could then learn how to do just that because I had to ask for help because if I didn't ask for help, how would I know? I took Mm -hmm. the time to get to know myself, which was super important, and I learned to heal myself. And I began to trust myself Mm -hmm. and protect myself Mm -hmm. because that's my main priority, guys. Because until you finally mm-hmm. love yourself, you can't love anyone else. Mm-hmm. And um, when y'all were saying if um, you're right there listening and if you're covering something up for the abuser, um, you're just as guilty. But like in my life, you know, I'm having to do some of the things just because it could go either way. And I'm not believed and I'm not the one that goes to jail over it, you know. Mm-hmm. I did tell the story of my book. You know that. I haven't had a chance to read it yet, but I will. It's on my bucket list. Okay. <laughs> I mm-hmm. always love bucket lists. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but it, it, I was interviewed over there at Blog Talk, and their mouth dropped a little bit, and I'm like, what? I didn't mean to shock everybody. <laughs> yeah. But uh, Jillian is, she does so much for so many people, and she really gets out there. Yeah. And I think she deserves a small little vacation. <laughs> yeah. It's kind well, of. Well, <laughs> I, think, I, think, I think that she um, she has learned about self-care. Am I right? Yes. Oh, absolutely. You know, I I did a lot of shows, I want to say, three weeks ago, and I had to, like, kind of just be quiet and sit and do what I needed to do, right? Um, And that meant just go and get my hair done, going on my walk on the lake, and just Mm -hmm. really being present with my family because they come first. Well, God mm-hmm. comes first, but then my family comes second and then work comes third. But I, I have to be very careful what I'm digesting sometimes because mm-hmm. I kind of get caught up in it and I, I'm, I'm, I'm a doer. And so when I don't see any action behind people and they're just stuck in their trauma, I'm like, snap out of it. You're never going to move forward if you're stuck. You have so mm-hmm. there's so many resources out there. You just gotta look for it. You gotta do the work. Mm-hmm. People can show you everything, but you gotta pick it up and be willing to do it. Because if you're not willing yep. to do it, you're gonna be stuck. Yes. And you're gonna be sad. You're gonna be depressed. You're gonna be feeling sorry for yourself. And mm-hmm. that's in my eyes, it's just discerning sin, right? Sin of confusion, sin, the spirit, there's different types of spirits out there. And so when you're stuck mm-hmm. in the spirits of like, oh gosh, like there's of just hopelessness, there's hope. Everything that you are misguiding yourself toward and those negativity, you're only going to attract it right back. Law right. of attraction. It's right. there. Mm-hmm. 
Yeah. It's got to um, be the work. Okay, am I still here? Yeah. Okay, um, I was wanting also to say where Jillian's at, the SCSAorg.org, they also ha- they have a men's group on Saturdays, I believe, and then they have a women's women's group where it's going to be temporarily Thursday, um, and it's it's on Sundays as well. The women's group part. So I wanted Can to you let you know that? about that. Can you do you mind repeating that? Yes, the the SESA org dot org. They have a man's okay. support, man's only support group on Saturdays. You can go there and you can sign up, and they'll send you an email. And then okay. uh, on, on Thursday they're going to have a temporary just a trial thing to see if it works out or whatever. Uh, on Thursday, and then they the usual one on Sunday at 3 p.m. Okay. Central Time, so it's 4 p.m. Eastern. But they'll know more okay, about it if they uh, go ahead to the SESAorg.org and go and they sign up and then, and they'll get the information in their email. And Jessica okay. leads the group and she's amazing. Yes. Jessica well, thank Brown. You for sharing. Yes. Thank you thank for you. sharing that with us. Thank you. I'm going to put you back on hold. Okay. Um, so we have about um, 30 minutes left, and I don't know if you want to continue with your story or you want to talk about the different things you're working on or that you've done. I know you did mention a little bit. Um, it's up to you. <laughs> sure, yeah, no. Um, like I was sharing with you guys, House Bill 492 was passed mm-hmm. This summer, and I'll share this with you guys. Catherine Robb is a phenomenal human being. She is actually with Child USA, her and Morrison Hamilton, phenomenal women, badasses. I admire both of those women. And something that I learned with working with the bill and lobbying it and making sure that it gets passed is that it takes survivor stories. It takes numbers. It takes showing up because we have public officials who are representing an individual state. And my goal was to make sure that the children of today, the children of the past, and the children of the future had their ability to heal. That's all I want. I want everyone to be able to heal because Like we just said, there's so many wounded individuals around us. And we're so, our world, we're constantly on our phones. We're constantly doing things so distracted. And we're unaware of our children, of our family members who are actually hurting. And they're so afraid to speak out and use their voices. And for our own state, to establish a law that says you have until this amount of time to speak out about your trauma, that's a disservice to humanity, in my opinion. Anyone who has been victimized and has been abused 
it's a lifelong sentence. I may be jolly and look great on photos, but I suffer daily. But I have to get up. I have to show up for my kids. I have to show up for myself, more importantly. And until you learn and you go through the process of being a victim, becoming a survivor, and then being a thriver, there's steps. There's a journey you have to take. But I'm constantly going to be triggered. I'm constantly going to be fighting a battle for the rest of my life. This is a lifelong sentence that I now have marked in my central nervous system. And at any given moment, it flares up. When I get an email from my attorney, it flares up. I get anxious. I have to literally center myself, put my feet on the ground, and be like, hey, name four things that you can smell right now. Name four things that you can see right now. Name four things that you're able to touch and re-ground myself because I get triggered. I'm constantly Mm -hmm. going to get triggered. My, My life and my relationship with my husband has dramatically changed. I'm a different person than who mm-hmm. he met me and who he married. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And it not only affects me, it affects my entire family. Mm-hmm. That's what abuse does. Yes. And yeah. I don't think people realize that. And that's a selfish thing that these organizations lawyer up and they rather spend hundreds of thousands of dollars to protect their cover-ups. That's sad. It's horrible. And I know God, I know the spirit world is so upset about it because the world's turning to shit. It really is. And how is anyone going to heal if they feel that they're so alone? You have no tactical skills. You have no tools in your toolbox to keep you going. And thank God... I took an initiative to go get myself help because there, for the first time in my life, I thought about killing myself. That's the truth. Never in my life, even in my darkest moments of being abused, brutally abused, like physical abuse, right? Mm -hmm. I wanted to kill myself after being abused by a man who was part of a church, my church. Like, I had been abandoned, and it's a lonely feeling, and I don't want anyone to feel like that. I don't. I want mm-hmm. people to know that they can continue to go, that they can reach out to others. And others are willing to help, people like you, people like me. There's just so many resources that I don't think anyone, like, there should be, like, a national freaking like, I don't know, commercial about organizations around the United States and around the world to get people help. Because like, let's not talk about America. Let's talk about other countries. Like women, some women don't even have like rights, you know, right. They are abused on a daily basis. They have nowhere to go to. They don't have a support group. They can't even talk about it. Right. You know, it's like, I, like you're opening the door for me 
to say, you know, to say that, you know, there are many states have have begun to really, really take charge and get changes done and and there is more resources and you know, if you look you find it. If you wanna find it, you will find it. You know, but one of the hardest things that, that I'm finding, me myself, who who has met so many people and who knows a lot of things, you know, I'm having a very hard time um finding um who to reach out to um to help get laws changed. Um and so that's something that you know that that can be done. And there are organizations out there um that you can reach out to. But it's still it's like, you know, you call your state state office, you know, like the DA in the of the state in the state like on the high level and you go around in circles so you know I can only imagine what it's like for people that are new at all of that are are listening to the show tonight for instance or will listen to, to the show and you know are looking for support systems and they don't they don't really have the guidance or the or family support or the the strength or the energy to to do their work um you know out there to to find just a group or a therapist or you know because it's it's hard to find good therapy um you know i'm i am so so lucky that I found this group therapy way in the beginning when all my hell, you know, when my, my 21 years blew up in my face and um, I was in a very dark place and I did not know what to do because it just happened. And, you know, it's very hard to find um, domestic violence groups because they're so hidden. They're usually done within shelters Um but now you have a lot of stuff online. You can go to Zoom, like Darlene was saying. There are a lot of support groups, groups online. And through that, through those people, you can probably find something in your state. They can direct you. But it was very hard for me to find the group that I found that saved my life, and I did it for a year and a half. And through that, I found my therapist. And six years later, she's still my therapist. So, but... but you know, there's there's something everywhere. Um, so, but again, if you're if you're coming out and you want to get help and you're scared, you know, what would your suggestion be for people? Because sometimes, you know, I I guide them to groups or organizations, and then they say to me, "Well, they led me here. They led me here. I went around in a vicious." cycle or vicious circle and again we're in a different time than we were a couple years ago before COVID you had way more out there if you did your research you know Um, so like the place that I went to for group therapy I do believe they still have it 
but I don't think it's the same. And I know that it wasn't for quite a year and a half because of COVID. Um, and it's a shame because people need it more so. Um, so, you know, I feel like um, sending people places and to organizations out there that say we're here to help you and they're feel, finding that they're going around in vicious cycle, circles like I feel when I'm trying to go to the state to have laws that 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 were put into place with federal with on a federal state but just not on a state level. A federal level but not on a state level. So So on a state level well, each representative has there's committees, right? There's committees mm-hmm. to change laws. There's committees to add new laws. And it really takes you to basically go to your website or your state website um, and look at all your representatives and see what they have done, their work they've done, right? So, mm-hmm. for instance, for the statute of limitations for um, childhood sexual um, survivors, we are going through the extensive list of representatives in Texas. There's a lot. There's a lot of counties out here. And we're going to their bios and seeing what they had led. And these state representatives have to listen to you. They have to be willing to receive whatever it is. And then they work within you. Then they create a committee with their, like, that state representatives, I believe that they have four bills that they can bring forth in front of legislation on those sessions. And the committee that they create, which I was part of, then decides, okay, how are we going to word this? And that's when Cap and Rob came in, because Cap and Rob has changed so many laws in different states, right? And so she took the, the law that was in place in the state of Louisiana, and she minimized it. You have to start small and then work bigger, right? Because what I noticed, the woman, Anna Johnson, who tried to pass the law here in Texas, last legislation, she had so much wordage that there was no way it was going to pass, right? Start simple. So that's something that I would suggest to someone. If someone knows that they're willing to come forward, they want to see some change, they want to change the law, you have to look, you have to do your research. You have to look, go online, you can Google the laws, right? Criminal law mm-hmm. is a little bit harder to change, but civil law is a little bit more easier to change, right, to open things up mm-hmm. for people, individuals. But once you find that representative that's willing to be the underdog, right, right, and have a team of individuals on a committee that have the survivor stories and the testimonies, it's going to move because and it's already, the right minds to say no. It's already out there on the federal level. What 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 doesn't make sense to me is why doesn't it get passed down to each state? If the federal government, who's the highest level, okay, passed a law, why does it take people like you and me to get it passed in our own state? I'm talking about specifically domestic violence laws. I'm, I'm not, I don't, I haven't done my research on the laws that, you know, that, that you've been working on. But like, so for, I like know instance, whenever I was in court for um, the law that I was passing, 
there was five laws that were trying to be presented um, in front of the representatives to be, because like the way a bill works is it's presented in front of a committee, then after going into a committee, then it goes in front of the state rep, then that state rep who's walking it um, says, okay, do we agree? They vote on it. They agree on it. Then it goes in front of another committee for the senators, right? And then Mm -hmm. um, the Senate then decides if they're going to amend it, add things to it, yada, yada, whatnot. And then if they do amend it, then it has to go back to the House of Representatives and they have to vote on it again. And so you have a lot of filibusters and roadblocks. So when I was doing my bill, um, Bill 492, I noticed that there was a lot of new bills being presented. I'm like, oh, gosh, I, I should have, like, put my card in because you can have a green card or a red card if you're in opposition or you're for it, right? Um, mm-hmm. And they were trying to pass laws, but you know what the, you know what the roadblock was? I'll give you an example. There was a bill that was presented that they were presenting um, – People of coercion, right? Like you were talking about earlier, right? Because that happens mm-hmm. a lot in domestic violence relationships. So they wanted to add that as part of domestic violence. And mm-hmm. they wanted to take away their guns. Yes. And they were like, no, we're not going to do that. The NRA is not going to be in support of that. Okay. But human life is not important. Like this is a person that probably like, took a gun to the victim's head and was like, I'm going to fucking kill you. Excuse my language, but that's probably what they did, you know, um, to keep them or scare them or whatever mm-hmm. their control is. Cause that's what a narcissist usually does. Um, and it was really sad because the committee that it had gone in front of, cause now we're in the front of the senators, the, the chairman was like, okay, that's enough. And like wouldn't allow like the victims to share their stories of what happened to them. And the woman, she's an attorney, but she also has like a nonprofit for domestic violence um, women. And she went up there and she was like, you cannot do that to victims. Like they, they're here, they're sharing their stories, you know? And it's just, again, it's like, you have so many different roadblocks. Like really, you're not going to take someone's gun away that, use it against them because that's what they did. They, they used the gun to keep them into their control, and that's abuse. Oh, yeah. You know, in the state of Florida so, where I live, if you, get, if you have a restraining order against someone or they have been arrested for, if there's a warrant or whatever, if, there's, if they've been arrested and gone to jail for domestic violence, they cannot own a gun. And Florida is one of the states that are very for guns, you know, um, getting, have, allowing you to have concealed weapons license. But in, in the restraining order, it says that you cannot carry a weapon. They cannot carry, the abuser cannot carry a weapon. So it's not like that in every state? No. Wow. Um, another bill that they were trying to pass, which did pass. So apparently um, some cities were making the woman, the victim, they were making them go and get a notary sign for the protective order. Well, 
how are you going to go get a notary when you, if you don't have any money? Yeah, but and now so they were able to pass that. A judge signs off on the order. What, what more but do you know? In the state of Louisiana, they were making you notarize it. From the ju- from what the, from what you got from the court, where the judge stamped it mm-hmm. and signed it. Yes, yes, that's ridiculous. So now they created it where that didn't happen, right? So now you don't have to have a notarized um, form and go seek someone to notarize it because they know that a lot of times women and men who are in these domestic violence relationships don't have the means to go get it. They don't well, have no money. You can, go to a bank. you can go to a bank and get something but, notarized. But that's ridiculous. It's so ridiculous. Yeah. But that, that's, that's, those were some of the laws that were being presented. And I would have to pull up the laws. But I think of the five um, new bills that they were putting forth, I think three of them passed and two of them didn't pass. And so, again, you have your fighters. You have your nonprofits. You have um, women who have been in situations who went further on to educate themselves, you know. And, um, yeah, there, there's, many, there's many things that you can do. And it's just all about finding those in particular organizations that really are trying to make change. And mm-hmm. you just have to find those right people. Where do you find them? I mean, it's a matter of just, Calling it's a lot of Googling. Your... It's a lot of Googling. Yeah, it's a, lot, it's a lot, of lot of research. It's not an easy yeah. job, I'll tell you that. Um, right. And, and like I said, if it's a law that's been passed on a federal level, it should be handed down to each state. And I'm talking about, like, Jennifer's Law, course of control, and all the things that fall under it is, is considered domestic violence. Emotional abuse is another law that was passed. I forgot what it was called, what it's called, but it's another name of somebody. Um, you know, I always joke, you know, I'd like to have Bailey's Law while I'm alive, not when I'm dead. You know, why do we have to wait till well, people are murdered? Well, anything's possible, or... Bailey. <laughs> well, I'm, I'm, I'm going to do it. I mean, you know, I'm writing a book. I have a ghostwriter who's helping me. Um, it's, 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 it's not a memoir. It's not a biography. It is my story and a lot more. Um, and when, when we get halfway through, I'll start really promoting it. Um, but I, I believe it's, it's going to be an amazing book. I mean, the person doing it is, is she's incredible and she's done her research. And I hope while that's being done, which it's in the middle of being done, um, I start to, I, I could start, you know, working side by side on on the laws and stuff like that, um, especially things that happened to me that shouldn't have happened or, you know, like police having better training um, in domestic violence and mental health. Those for, those two things were the one of the biggest issues for me that happened to me in my situation um, is the lack of knowledge. I mean, I used to shove the laws in their face and they would just look at me like I was crazy. I'm like, I had all the evidence. I mean, it was insane. But I do want to take a step back. First, I want to commend you for, you know, 
for where you are now and where you where you've come from. And women like you don't even know where to start or how to get help or how to get out of the situations they're in. Um, and Jillian's book is a great guide. Um, again, I, I, there is a link, um, and I will put it also uploaded. I put it on um, SoundCloud, but it's my ugly truth, um, and it's a, it's a really, it's her story, and then a guide on all the different. If you're stuck and don't know where to start, it's, it's a great book, um, and it shows you that you can you can get out of a situation no matter how stuck you are, how broken you are and, you know, get lost hat. I mean, that to me is like incredible. Um, I wanted to ask you to, to tell us quickly about your mommy go bag and the um, NOLA prestige um, co-ownership. I know it's not that, that important, but I'm curious to know. Um, oh, yeah, for sure. So, um, Mommy Go Bag was invented from my little guy, little Lonnie. He had motion sickness, and we we're constantly on the go. And I had my two older ones at a really young age, I just share with you guys. And I was prepared. I had a diaper bag at all times. And so the third one, I guess you just like, oh, I'm just going to, you know, wing it, right? And, um, he would barf everywhere, and I'd be stuck in places with barf all over me, having to go into the grocery store, spend hundreds of dollars on ridiculous items that should not cost ridiculous amounts, and I was not prepared. So when my husband decided to um, relocate to Fort Hood and take on um, his new mission, we were brought to Washington, D.C. to get his new orders from the President of the United States because he was an officer at the time. And little Lonnie threw up all over me, and I had vomit everywhere. And as I'm sitting on my plane to Washington, D.C., I'm like, I have to come up with something. This is ridiculous. Mm. So that day, sitting in the airplane, I created the Mommy Go Bag. And the Mommy Go Bag is for moms on the go. It has a kit inside it. In the kit, it has a puke bag. It has disinfective wipes. It has Tide pins. It has Pepto-Bismol chewables, um, liquids, um, Tylenol, um, a thermometer strip to see if your child does have a temperature, antiacids, um, throwaway bags to throw away all the vomit, um, a change of clothes, that's what you would put in the bag, lots of wet mm-hmm. wipes, hand sanitizers, you name it, it's in there. And so I worked really hard on it while doing everything else that I was doing and during COVID too. And we, I got the bag two weeks ago and we will oh, wow. be live on October the 20th and they will be available for sale. So we're um, Nola live. Prestige. Go ahead. Um, on you said you're live. Gonna- so mommy go, mommygobags.com. Um, okay, cool. I will That's be live awesome. on October the twentieth. Yeah, so if you just Google "Mommy Go Bag" and probably my name, it'll show up. Um, Two hundred dollars for the bag. And the bag is pretty cool too because it has a laptop compartment for your laptop because I do work a lot. Um, it has so oh, many wow. like secret little pouches, and then also um, it's washable. And then you can use oh, it as wow. a backpack. 
You can use it as a tote or you can use it as a crossover. So there's many different ways that you can use it. So um, I love it's that. a functional bag and it's tactical and it's made for those emergencies that we're sometimes not prepared for as moms and to make them not right. feel helpless. Um, Nola Prestige Electric is a company my husband has been um, by trade. He um, came from a family of electricians. And so um, we actually have contracting companies. We um, service all the military bases in the South. We also um, put in all of your um, battery for the Teslas, for the electrical cars, we service Home Depot. We service all the light bulbs for um, the Dollar Trees. We reinstall them. And so that's a business my husband and I have. That's what keeps us going because, um, wow. you know, like I shared with you, Lonnie was a soldier, but this was a company that I had to run while he was in active duty. And so managing a bunch of guys and making sure that they are getting where they need to get to, job. making sure their right. paperwork's done, get it done, you know. Um, so those are the two companies well, I, that um, I have to tell you that the fact that you, you know, you went through what you went through and what was able to trust again. And, you know, we all know that anybody that's been through trauma in their life, you know, doesn't have it easy, especially that, 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 I mean, there's so many of them out there that have not gotten proper help or not on proper medication. And I do think it's so unfair that they don't get the proper help or the proper, they don't get more care. I shouldn't say proper. They don't have more care access. They don't have more access to care. Um, I know they have to go to vet hospitals and all that kind of stuff. And it's, and I think it's horrible. I think they deserve to have the best care from anybody, better than the government. I agree. Or I agree. On the same level as the government. But the fact that, you know, you guys were able to work things out, you coming from where you came from, him coming, I mean, it gives me hope, you know. And I'm sure we'll, we'll, we'll give other people hope that, you know, you can have a healthy relationship. And Marriage and relationships are work. Just like we get up every day and we go to work or take care of our kids, it's work. It's everyday work. And so, you know, I'm so glad. And you so very much deserve to be happy. And so does so many other of us. Um, Absolutely. To to move on and be happy. And, And the fact that you came from where you did and, you know, have your children in healthy situations and you're, you're part of committees and you're passing, help, helping to get laws passed. I mean, wow. And you wrote a book and a cookbook. I mean, it just goes to show that really if, when there's a will, there's a way. That's what I should have named the show, when there's a will, there's a way. <laughs> well, all I can say is without my faith in God, Without yes, my community, a people rooting me on, I wouldn't be here. Mm-hmm. I'd be on the street. I agree. I agree. I agree. I didn't really have a community, but I had a, my rabbi was there for me, and um, 
and I had a support system of my family, which I still do, and then my online support system became huge. Um, I lost a lot of friends, and then my lifelong friends from high school came back into my life because I was isolated from everybody, and they are my huge support system and biggest fans today. So, yeah, you're right. Without a support system and, 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 and the right therapy and the right people, you can't get, and, and faith. You must have faith. Even if you're angry at God and you go through your stages, it's okay. It means you believe in Just in, having in a higher power, power anything, because yeah. there's something beyond us on a spiritual sector. And without that, yeah. that's a testament. I'm a testimony of faith. That's all I can say. And I say it in my book several times. I am a testimony of faith. And I'm a child of God. We all are. And it we takes work. Yeah. You're right. No marriages are perfect. My marriage is not perfect. Yeah. It takes work. It's a job. Yeah. And it's taking job. care of yourself is a job. Yeah. And you have to do what's right for you. What may be right for me may not be right for you. And you have to figure out what that is. It takes work. That's all I'm going to say. Well, Jillian, it was an honor. And I thank you so much for your time. And I hope that we stay in touch. Thank you, Bailey, for having me. And I'm going to help you with the stuff in Florida as soon as I get back yes. with my girlfriend, um, we'll we'll get the ball and, rolling, and I'll help you in any and way. And I would I can. love I would love for you to send me any information that you can find out if if you it comes your way um, on on in um, statewide for people that are having a hard time finding help. Um, you know, I I always Google in their state you know, what I did for myself. And they, a lot of people tell me they just find roadblocks. Um, and I'm talking about people that are in, in a bad state where they need help desperately, therapy, lawyers, whatever it is. If anything comes your way, you know, uh, statewide. Um, I'll send it. I'll, I'll start doing a log. That's a good idea. That's smart because then yeah. I can use it on to the organization that I'm, I'm on the board with. So that'll definitely help. Yeah. So, um, you know, I, I keep my eyes open. And, you know, whenever somebody reaches out to me, I always do Googling in their state. And unfortunately, you know, sometimes they just feel like they're lost and, and they just, you know, um, they're, they're not finding what they need. So, um, and they just need a little hand to yeah. walk them through because it's sometimes yeah. it's right in front of our faces. We just can't find it. And I've been yeah. there. Yeah. But Bailey, well, it was so nice speaking with you. Thank yeah. you for having Same. me on your My show. Pleasure. I'm looking forward My to creating pleasure. something with you. And I hope Excellent. everyone creates a fabulous rest of their week. And remember, try to find ease, joy, and glory when you wake up and be grateful for three things. And remember at the end of the day to think about how you helped one individual, even if it was helping a dog, I don't care what you did. Be proud of yourself for one thing at least because you matter. And make sure, and make sure you take care of yourself, you know? Um, Exactly. Again, exactly. (laughs) Thank you so much, Jillian. I'm going to end the show now. Thank Thank you you so so much much. again. Make sure you guys um, click on the link. Um, to um, purchase her book. You can get it also on Kindle and her cookbook. Um, the links are out there on the show. 
And again, I will put it um, up. I will upload it to SoundCloud in a little while. We'll put the links and everything. Thank you to Joe Cox for giving me this Blog Talk Radio time. Um, I will forever be indebted to you um, for having faith in me and Charlie for helping me um, start my own show, being there for me, being my support system, and for pushing me to go out there and do this on my own. And for uh, Marianne Petrie for connecting me to Jillian. I know you want to be here tonight, but you have other engagements. I appreciate it. Um, To Kathy for calling in, to Darlene and all my listeners out there, thank you. Remember, again, it's Domestic Violence Awareness Month. You know, reach out to one person who you know is struggling. um, And God bless you all. And, again, like Jillian said, be happy. You know, help one person and take care of yourself. And thank you for being here and never give up. And never give up. Thank you for listening. Have a good night. With a little perseverance, you can get things done. The battle of light adherence that has conquered No one.